I'm muted. Hmm. That's one way to start the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Trapper Dive Podcast, man. I am your host, Molly Moe. Magic, I see you, Will. Was... <laughs> I just clicked the comment. I ain't even peep what you said. <laughs> Weather's been good. That's all he got. Monty, I see you. Um, let me go ahead and add in Dre since he is backstage. There we go. Boom. Welcome back to another episode of Trap and Die Podcast, man. Um, listen, before we get started, let's get the administrative items out of the way. Like, subscribe, check in through the comments in the chat. Let us know how you're feeling, your thoughts, man. Um, if you're on the audio side, give us a rating and review if you haven't done so. We definitely appreciate that support as well. Uh, but yeah, man. Oh, I see AJ AJ in this thing too. Let me go ahead and bring AJ up. Uh boom, fellas. There we go. Fellas, how y'all feeling, man? Dre, AJ. Um, y'all had yourself a little afternoon on the on the on the net, bro. <laughs> yeah, so you I've know, been reading. Um... I pop in every now and then to talk a little shit on Twitter, you know, had to um, comment on a couple of things with this team, man, because it's just we've been talking about it the last few weeks, man. And it's just it's not fun right now. I'm not having fun right now. So I'm going to talk shit right now. <laughs> As a matter of fact, you know, Magic, I don't know if y'all know this, but me and Magic actually have a bet. Like we have a bet. Magic bet me is an Abby bet. He thinks that Ron Rivera will be here next year in some capacity. And I told him no. <laughs> magic what's up bro what's up bro you ain't even had it i mean it's an abby bet so you safe but like come on bro wait 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 because i remember you had is it an abby bet of like a, a like an actual picture or is it like an abby better like a, a troll yeah i think um i forgot what he said i have to do i mean i'm sure he'll remind me but i told him that uh he has to post the Abby of himself in a fairy or at least a fairy Twitter oh, Abby wow. <laughs> to say I don't wow. know what I'm talking about. <laughs> wow. Kenny, what's going on with you, player? A hey, magic man. You you I think you just wanted to put yourself in a tutu, bro. That's all that was, bro. <laughs> uh AJ, what's going on with you, player? Cool and cool. That's what yeah. I'm talking about, bro. Good right. talk, AJ. Good talk. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. Bernardo, bro. Um, I feel your pain, Dre. I, I think I, I don't think this um when you when you going through the motions of a season, like in the situation that we're in, it's gonna make it's gonna make people feel a certain type of way. Like Will said it already. Like, that's all he got is that the weather is good. Shout out to the weekend. Oh, we got an 80 degree Saturday, bro. Late October. That's what's up. That's lit. But um, it makes sense, man. But I think 
Oh, he needs to change his name to I Love Ron Rivera with Ron Rivera's. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's funny, but you about to put yourself in the tutu, bro. So God bless. Um, Let me just start with the – let's just start with the game, close the book on the game, and, and move forward. Um, I'll tell you this right now. For the film review, I, I'll have one coming out tomorrow morning. Um, essentially just diving into some of the, the high level topics that I'll, I'll kind of discuss here so we can leave the rest open for discussion. Um, but I ain't, I ain't, what's the point of me looking at the defense? Like it's not even a conversation this year. Uh, the, the conversation is about Eric Bieniemy and Sam Howell, right. And Ron Rivera to an extent, but like right on the roll with that man. So I think if you follow me on Twitter at this point, you kind of get a, a picture of the idea of what things look like from the actual game itself. Um, I didn't put a lot of clips out there, but I, I put enough. And I think when you look at one half to the next half, right, I'm going to go from coordinator to quarterback to offensive line. Actually, I don't even want to do it that way. I don't want to separate it. I'll just mess them all together. Uh, but but I think Eric Benemy's from the top down part, his biggest issue was in the first half. Um, Sam Howell, his biggest issue was consistency. Right. Um, and then I'm sorry, let me actually, let me, his biggest issue was processing. And then the offensive line just got the ass whooped, mainly the interior. Um, Nick Gates had a, he had a really bad day. Uh, I think we know that part. Um, I think we kind of stated to AJ, AJ was on the show and, um, we kind of stated that this was a situation where like you're you're going up against very good, powerful interior uh defenders for the New York Giants. And the interior uh for the offensive line, the interior really struggles against very good power tackles, right? Not the finesse guys, not the not the Deron Paynes, right? Like they they struggle against the Dexter Lawrences and the, the Leonard Williams, those guys wreak havoc. And then your tackles. First of all, Wiley struggles against both power and and speed, but both collectively struggle with speed. So you run into these issues, and and what the New York Giants did was really cause havoc from um, the the interior guys really wrecking wrecking plays. But then you're looking at uh, offensive linemen missing stunts, like some of these, like they had a field day looping around Sadiq Charles and Nick Gates in their gaps. And Wink Martindale seen that from the beginning. Like, that's where majority of the loop and the stunts went. And in, in, in their A gaps or uh, Sadiq Charles B gap, right? Um, so that's one thing that really hurt the offensive line throughout the day. Um, and, and, and I think in the second half, uh, what really hurt them in the first half was a communication standpoint, getting on the right page. I don't know who it was from when it comes to quarterback or center relationship, but like, at the end of the day, both of them had some bear of responsibility in terms of setting the protections. And in the second half, it got much better. Um, but also you had a quarterback who um, was probably coached like on a particular drive, like we're going to get the ball out no matter what type shit. Um, but then in the, in the first half, you look at a coordinator, Eric Bieniemy, who uh, ran one play where he moved the pocket in that first half. Um, specifically rollouts, right? He had eight total on the day. 
And Sam Howe completed passes, fellas, on six of them. Uh, and one of them, were one of his incompletions, one of his two incompletions was a throwaway, right? So you're talking about a person, and he was only pressured on one. I'm sorry. And, and the one pressure was on the throwaway. So you're talking about a quarterback and Sam Howe and an offense who did a really good job getting in front of Sam Howe while on the move and, and having him throw from a, a, a moving, a moving launch point, right? Uh, Jahan Darson, Jahan Dotson, that's where majority of his catches came from. He should have had a bigger day. Uh, when you look at the film, film sessions going to come out tomorrow morning, presumably if I get my video back in time, <laughs> but uh, it should be out tomorrow morning. You're going to be able to see some areas where the Jahan Dotson won versus man coverage, by the way, um, where he just didn't get the ball. And, and that was from a processing standpoint of Sam Howe. Um, so, I mean, obviously the drop at the end of the day is, is inexcusable. Right? Um, but when you're talking about somebody having an impact on a game, you know, targets matter and situations matter. And when you see how they were able to adjust versus what Wink Martindale was doing with them in that first half and all throughout the game, I'm sorry, all throughout the game where you see Wink Martindale showing a, a single high pressure, right? And staying in that either cover one or cover zero look. And then when he's in his two eye, he's disguising it, whether he's going to stay in a two man or he's going to come down and, and still saying that single high, like you don't know, or, or maybe that's the game that he's playing clearly. Um, and, and those type of things really got the same high in terms of trying to first off, understand the pressure looks that he's seeing up front, but then also understand what they're trying to do on the back end. So Wink Martindale had a field day going back and forth with Sam Howe, but also going back and forth with uh, Eric Bieniemy. And at some point, I think when we realized what Terry McLaurin was saying post-game, it was opportunities throughout the day where if you aren't paying attention to like how he said it and the way in which he was saying it, and then you look at the film and you're saying, oh, like he's not saying we need to learn to do this moving forward. He's saying we fucked up in this game by itself, not taking advantage of the opportunities in the, the first half. And even after Terry McLaurin caught some passes on that 30 yard pass and that 27 yard pass on the sidelines. So, so many other things, the run game was abysmal. Um, but I do think the good thing with Chris Rodriguez coming in is the fact that I'm sure that these guys are going to be much more comfortable uh, moving away from Antonio Gibson as a as one of the the, the ball carriers, he's probably going to be RB two now. Chris Rodriguez, Chris Rodriguez is. So, um, there was so many different things going on, obviously. Uh, but from a high level standpoint, I think to to sum up everything that I'm saying, I think that Washington, specifically enemy his his biggest issues was that first half and and taking too long to try to make some adjustments. Mind you, we only had one screen call in the in the day. And that one uh, went for however many yards. And it was a holding on the play that got declined on third and 20. There was one other like bubble screen that went to Terry McLaurin two plays before the last play, um, last play of the game for, for Washington. Uh, but you're talking about a team who lost the game offensively in the first half, despite only being down two possessions. Um, they couldn't run the ball. You can't get any push up front. And then from a, a receiving standpoint, there was opportunities there downfield, but because the pressure really got to Sam Howe and the offensive line couldn't really make things happen up front in terms of like uh, consistently 
getting their blocks, whether it was the help of the offensive, I mean, excuse me, whether they the, the quarterback or the coordinator could have helped them out, it don't matter. In your one-on-ones, you struggled mightily, especially in your interior. There was a collective failure on the offensive side of the football that no matter what they did defensively, which is why I didn't watch that side of the ball <laughs> purposefully, you wasn't going to win the game with the way that they played on offense, and that was terrible. Um, so I'm going to stop there. That's kind of my high-level thing. Film session comes out tomorrow. You'll see everything that I'm kind of discussing in more detail. But, uh, yeah, that's where I'm at, fellas. Um, I don't know if you all got to run the game back, but uh, th those are my high-level takeaways. Yeah, I mean, Maul, I, I have to agree, especially on the enemy part in the first half. You, you're you looking at Sam Howe get destroyed, you know, over and over and over again. And this was one of the games, like, we've been kind of saying, hey, Sam is holding on to the ball too long. Um, you know, he's kind of causing some of these sacks. But this was the first game I felt like this wasn't on Sam with the sacks. Like, Sam really had no chance a lot in this first half. You know, I mean, as far as the reads go and stuff like that, you know, that's on Sam. You know, he could have made some better reads, some better throws in some cases. But when we're talking about Eric Bieniemy, in a sense, he could have protected Sam Howell a lot better. I mean, I think he, and it's, we can look back throughout the season and say Eric Bieniemy could do some things differently to kind of protect Sam Howell out there and not let him take so many sacks. I mean, we're just sitting up there dropping him back and dropping him back. And like you said, what, one rollout in the whole first half, which is crazy because I think the rollout, you know, is kind of one of the more efficient plays that they run, you know, in this offense right now. I mean, it, it helps. But the thing that I'm kind of struggling with is I'm wondering, you know, is this whole season going to be the Sam Howell experiment, you know, in the sense that Eric Bieniemy feels like Sam Howell has to be featured in a pretty way, not in a, you know, game manager type of way, but in a pretty way that gets him to look at head coach, uh, a head coaching gig in the future. And also to show that you might have a franchise quarterback, you know, because I feel like that's the direction they're going versus saying, hey, we actually want to kind of go win games and maybe we have to play a little bit safer and maybe we have to, you know, adjust a couple of things. And it just seems like Eric is kind of rolling out his style of play regardless, because that's his vision. <clears throat> like, I think, you know, when I was talking to some people on Twitter, as you mentioned all um, earlier, Eric Bieniemy when he came in here, I don't think his vision was. Uh, things are going to take a little bit of time. You know, I don't think Ron Rivera hired him with the notion that things are going to take a little bit of time. Like the whole situation is an oxymoron. I mean, <laughs> you have a uh, <laughs> like you have a coach that has to win right now. Right. But you also have a fifth round quarterback that's essentially a rookie this year. And then you bring in Eric Bieniemy, who everyone thought could be a head coaching candidate. And he's won two Super Bowls in the Kansas City Chiefs organization. You had to have thought that he could come in right away and change some things. I know a lot of people are saying things take time. And you're right. Things do take time. But this organization doesn't have time right now. No one in this organization has time right now. Everything has to happen now for everybody working in the organization. Or no one's going to be back next year. So that's the kind of thing I'm wondering if Eric Bieniemy is going to eventually adjust quicker, adjust sooner, even if it's not pretty. Like, are you going to come out? Are you going to be more results based versus how I look based? And that's what it feels like we're kind of seeing out of Eric Bieniemy in the office right now. It's more how we look versus can we get better results? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, overall, like the team just isn't a good team. <laughs> Uh, when you sit back and take a quick review of 
I guess it's almost pretty much the halfway mark of the season. You you go against Arizona Cardinals, you struggle against them. Week two, you struggle against Denver. You're you're down what seventeen plus points. Uh, you know you have to make this miracle run to come back and even win the game, and you pretty much should have lost that game. Week three, you go against the Buffalo Bills, you get blown out. Uh, week four, you play Chicago Bears, if I'm not mistaken, right? Uh, Bills, Eagles, Bears. All right, so you play the Eagles. You look competitive in that game, uh, which, like like I've always said on here, division games are pretty much going to always be close. We just witnessed that over the weekend. Uh, you have a lot of resources that you could tap into to, to game plan and make those games closer for yourself and look competitive. Um, you still end up losing that game, and, and that kind of gave false pretense to some in the fan base. After that week, you go and get blown out by the Chicago Bears on primetime TV that hadn't won a game in a year, like legit a year. Like the last time they had won a game was in October of 2022. <laughs> you follow up that performance with uh, going to Atlanta where you end up winning, but it's not a complete game. You don't look like a dominant team. You still look like you're trying to figure out some things. You still got hiccups on both sides of the ball, offensively and defensively. Then after that, you now play the New York Giants where it just sets the tone for the season. It's like if Washington's on your schedule, you're going to get the opportunity to get right. So going into the game, New York Giants. That's for great. The- I've been a theme for like the last three years too, bro. Yeah. So going into the game, New York Giants had five, ta- uh, five sacks all year. What happens? I think in the first half they get six sacks total <laughs> in one game. The the New York Giants don't have an offensive touchdown in the first half all season. They get two against you. Like it's just an overall bad team. It's been poorly constructed. Um, you know, Sam's not necessarily the 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 main person to blame. Eric Bieniemy isn't necessarily the main person to blame. Jack Del Rio is not really the main person to blame. It's not Emmanuel Forbes' uh, fault. It's not Jihad Dotson's fault. The main corporate here is Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera is the issue, and until they get rid of that dead weight, this team won't be able to really prosper and reach their potential. Um, it seems as though everything that he's done is to – kind of live a legacy of like how Mark Jackson did for the Golden State Warriors and Steve Kerr or Tony Dungy, uh, you know, having his tenure should not go the way that he wanted to in Tampa Bay and John Gruden coming in and, and cleaning up and winning that Super Bowl. Like the, the clips, certain audio that I heard today and even in like the past couple of months, it just seems as though like he thinks he's building a new stadium or something of the sorts. Like when you build a new stadium, that's a seven year project possibly. Right. You don't have that opportunity here. Like you have a five year deal, but literally within that five year contract, you could be fired at any given time. So when you're taking players and saying that you're developing them, when you know that you need to win, it, it just screams like this person doesn't give two dams about what's going on. 
So when you see a guy like a Jonathan Allen in the locker room saying he's frustrated, he's frustrated with this fucking shit. He's been dealing with it for seven years. It now tells you everything that I've been concerned about because you still have young players on this team that have value. It, it tells me that you're losing this locker room. Or maybe you haven't even you, – you're going to lose the locker room. You already have lost the locker room because they can see that they have better talent and some of these guys aren't playing. They're not getting the fair opportunities. But everything is not clicking. It's not gelling together. You can't just say to those guys in the locker room who are making sacrifices from their families uh, and, and different commitments that, oh, we got 10 more games on, <laughs> on, on tab. You know, like at the end of the day, what's changing? What What is the approach that's going to help these guys get to the next level? And that's the main thing for me, man. I really don't even want to break down every single aspect of the game. I felt like we, we've we seen a lot of that in the last 48 hours. Uh, yeah. But overall, this is just poor head coaching, poor talent evaluation, poor construction of a roster. It's like everyone got <laughs> – Everyone is just pretty much stuck in this situation. And the worst thing is the fans and, and guys like us and other people that are coming and watching, you know, what we're talking about, having to having to go through this. Uh, because who's to say that things don't get even worse after Sunday? That's a home. It's game. a tough schedule. We talked about that yeah. last week. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's a tough schedule. Like I said, they, I really don't see them winning another game on the schedule. Like, I truly don't see that. Like, I mean, last night, yeah, we seen the Minnesota Vikings upset the 49ers. But, you know, I think that was more so to do with the fact that 49ers had a lot of injuries that they're facing. And, you know, they had a, a great defensive scheme going against Brock Purdy and, and the rest of the crew. But, honestly, I can't see Washington winning another game on the schedule. I mean, after the Eagles, they go and play New England. I want to say no, uh, in Seattle. Both Bill Belichick's record against inexperienced quarterbacks is impeccable within this league. After that, you go all the way to Seattle. <laughs> Same how damn sure ain't winning with the 12th man going against him. Like, where where do you get another W on the schedule? I can't. Well, they they gonna get it. They gonna get a dub. It's like it's just the truth of the matter. What you're saying, where, we don't. <laughs> Where, where do you I'm, look I'm at I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, like, this but is just how football works. Like, we can't, you can't look at the schedule. Like, we can look at the schedule right now and, and not see it win, but they're going to get a dub. They can, they can they mess are. around and beat the Giants at home. They can mess around beat somebody. Somebody. Yeah. <laughs> it's, that, it's just, it just happens, bro. Yeah, it's, yeah, like, it's we, we know that. But the, the truth of the matter is when you look at the team, I think the larger point is more so understanding what you said, like, uh, initially, AJ, that, the guys from uh, the the top down, specifically Ron, like he's just he's telling you it's ten more games left, right? Um, and I think to your point, like how he even tried to rally the troops up through through the media, his press conference what's today, uh, Tuesday. So he well he spoke yesterday. Did he speak today? I don't think he spoke today, right? He didn't speak today. Um, so Monday, uh, when he tried to rally the troops up uh, through his presser, you know, like. That was one of the more confusing things that Ron has done. And Ron has said several thousand confusing things. Like it went from a conversation about or uh, uh, a theme about Sam Howe 
developing him to letting everybody know he was focused on Philadelphia um, to turning back around and saying, I, I'm develop we're developing sound, but I can't commit to him. He didn't say that verbatim, but he alluded to it. Like, I can't, I can't tell you that he may not be benched. Um, he may be benched. Um, he may not play all the full 17. Uh, and then telling people like, again, 10 games left, we were in it against the New York giants. We were in it against, uh, who's the other team? Philadelphia. Um, I, I think this is a person and, 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 and I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm past Like I'm past the point of like, like beating the dead horse. It is what it is. Like he's just a head coach. Like it, I, I don't like, I don't like talking like this. It's just speaking the truth, bro. At, at this point, like I don't a year ago, earlier this year, it is what it is. Two years ago, it is what it is. But now at this point, like, I think we kind of know what things is going, like where things end up with Ron. Um, like, He's he has that track record of of not knowing what to do or not seemingly knowing what to do, trying to trying to move with the wind. Like, how do you tell yourself that, or how do you try to convince people who have seen the last three years of you that you were in it against the Giants, you were in it against the Eagles, but conveniently mention or miss uh not mention the fact that you got your ass whipped against the Bears and <laughs> You got you there. You you had to call a timeout against the Buffalo Bills at the end of the game so you don't get shut out and kick a field goal, bro. <laughs> like, bro, like I I don't I get what he's trying to say. Like, I understand his his need to find something right because all he's trying to do is trying to make it to Sunday so he can just play the game against Philadelphia. But ultimately speaking, when you think about Ron's situation and you think about this team there's several different avenues that you can go down where it's like um hey bruh we're gonna take this route but you ain't finna be in the picture no like that much longer so so i mean really really what it boils down to for me is if they if they lose sunday against the philadelphia eagles which i feel convincingly that will happen right what is oh, this going to talk about that too? By the what way, is, what is this so, ownership group going to do? If the ownership group sits idle and continues to let this play out, I have a big issue with that because I think you're now at a point where you need to see for yourself, hands on, if this team will take to a different voice. And we already know who would be the interim head coach because he's the assistant head coach. Eric Bieniemy. Some people could feel like he got a lot of weight on his shoulders with the offense. It don't matter. He could he could facilitate some things and work in partnership with uh, the quarterbacks coach. Something right. At the end of the day, Ron Rivera cannot continue to coach this team for the re- for the remainder of the season if you're going to keep losing and and not being fully competitive in these games. Like, yeah, the score might have been. 7-14 at the end of the day, but it really wasn't a competitive game from Washington's standpoint at all. If you don't get that, if you don't get that uh turnover by Sterling Shepard, um, as far as you that, shut turn, you probably shut out. Yeah, and, yeah, but see, AJ, um, my thing is, why do what, what's the urgency for Josh Harris to come in and fire Ron Rivera right now? Because my my feeling is. You know, if he, all right, 
under your scenario, they go out, they lose to the Eagles, they're three and five. How much better is this team at three and five firing Ron Rivera, you know, and hiring, I guess, Eric Bieniemy, or even, you know, this, you may not like this, or a lot of people wouldn't like this. I mean, personally, I wouldn't either, but Jack Del Rio could be the interim head coach. I mean, he's the guy that kind of stepped in for Ron when he was doing, going through his cancer treatments and everything. I have you know, a problem with that. Yeah. I mean, but, but, the, but it's not wrong with going three and 14, four and four and four and 13, <laughs> like five, see, and, five and 11, mm-hmm. like, or five More, and 12, whatever it is. To, to your point, I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I, I, I'm fine with that, you know, because I'd rather do that than just go out and win seven or eight games and say, oh, we had a competitive season. Like, you know, especially if we know everyone's getting, you know, canned after the season, if we're having a bad season, you know, why why go out there and just say, oh, we're, we're playing for pride. We're going to win seven games. And that's fine for the coaching staff and the players. But as a fan, and I'm, I'm fine, I'm a fan. So as a fan, I don't want to go out there and just win for pride and get seven or eight games. I want to win. I want to go out there and, you know, if we're going to be bad. Just go ahead and suck. I want to suck for the future. You know, give give this next regime, you know, as much assets or possibilities that they can get to, you know, kind of start bringing this thing back up. But my question is, like I said, with the, you know, if you fire Ron, like, how much better does this team get? I mean, you're three and five. I mean, are you going to win what four more games if you fire Ron, or you're probably going to win four more games if you keep Ron? Like, I mean, what, what's the urgency? Well, I mean, like, like, this it's this like you don't sucks. you don't know until you try, right? So, for example, last year with the Carolina Panthers, when they had Matt Rule, they were one and four under Matt Rule. After they fired him mid-season, right? Steve Wilkes comes in and takes over as the interim head coach. They turn things around, and now they're competitive enough to possibly even win their division, the NFC South. They ultimately lose, I want to say, the last game against Tampa, which, you know, eliminates them from contention. But you don't really know until you try. Like, if you feel like you're not a bottom-tier roster, right, you still have the opportunity to compete. And your, your head coach is telling you that we have the opportunity to still compete. But the issue is the person leading them and, and having to do everything isn't the guy anymore. So if you want to get a hands-on approach to see if maybe Eric Bieniemy could turn this around, because it's not going to be Jack Del Rio. The assistant head coach is Eric Bieniemy. That's his title. That's what he gets paid for, aside from being OC, right? So in case anything of this nature were to happen, he will ultimately be the next guy up. If you want to see if Eric Bieniemy is even someone you should consider for this job, you let him run the show, even though it's on the fly, and you just get to test it out. You get to see, because at the end of the day, you fire and run, no matter what, right? So why not, why not get the bang of your buck and see if this other guy that's within the organization can actually rally the troops and, and see what you have out of him to eliminate him as being an actual option as a head coaching candidate. Either you're going to learn more about Eric Bieniemy hands-on with the job of replacing Ron Rivera, or you're just going to sit back and wonder what he could be if he was actually running the show and possibly having the opportunity to do his own grocery shopping. That's where I stand. I I think you're you're coming from like a draft standpoint. Like you might be in the best position. Of to, course. To get a pick, that's cool and all, but I feel like I feel like if Ron is gonna stay the rest of the year, 
then you're going to have to get rid of a lot of players going into next year. Like Wait. the Jonathan Allen's aren't gonna, the Jonathan Allen's of the world aren't going to want to be on the team anymore. I'm fine with that if a new GM is making that decision. That's fine. I, I, yeah, I like, don't have an attachment to any of these players, man. <laughs> so, but this is here. This is where I was going to swing, though. Like, where what's the what's the play at this point with even with like? So, all right, let me actually. I'm gonna ask a clarifying question right quick, AJ. You you're saying if they lose the Philly, then fire Ron. That's what you're saying. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Okay. I'm saying if they All lose right. against Philly, you got to The ownership group should be making a move. Okay. Um. So like my thing is, at week eight, what's what's the ploy? Like, what's the difference? Now I know you said you never know, so I, I want to acknowledge that part, right? But I think the Panther situation was different. First off, the NFC South sucked last year, like. The, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was like two or three games no under 500 <laughs> for, a, for a long time. So at one and four, I'm sure that the, the owner saw a window of like, yep. we can still win yep. this thing. <laughs> and, and Steve Wilkes, they hired Steve Wilkes. I had to check and see like, what was his, I knew he was with the Panthers, but I guess he left the Panthers for some time, obviously, but he came back that one year. So you have a familiar, a familiar face, like the things line up in, in Carolina situation, right? And when you look at Washington, you try to compare that. They ain't winning the NFC East. They probably going to get swept by the Dallas Cowboys at this rate. You probably going to get swept by the Philadelphia Eagles at this rate. They already owe two in the division. They already <laughs> owe two in the division. Like, you don't have anything going for you right now that suggests that they're they're still in it in terms of winning the division. Sure, you can go for a wild card spot, right? And, and I think that's that's one thing. But in terms of acknowledging that part, sure, you never know. But I think if the if the ploy is to figure out what the enemy's got, you can still wait a little bit longer. Um, I don't know what waiting versus at, at this point. I don't know what waiting versus uh, making a move now is gonna do at this like it. I don't think it even matters. Like I think the evaluation just needs to start from uh Josh Harris and, and company from hiring an evaluator to to look into everything from a from a who like who we need to target in the offseason from a, a coaching standpoint. Now I do want to talk about one thing though. Um and you mentioned it AJ and, and Dre this is I'm glad we brought this part up because and I guess we can kind of merge this in with the trade discussions with Chase Young um and Montez Sweat per Josina Anderson that teams are interested in 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 trying to uh bag either one of them and 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 are willing to offer them long-term deals uh before free agency. I had a question. Let me pull it up because this was on my mind, bro, for a minute. And I, my main thing was, I didn't think I had, I had said it when you, when you brought it up, AJ, I don't think it was going to make that much of a difference who was going to be in charge because I thought this roster is up. Like if I'm being honest with you, bro, I don't think, I don't think it sucks from a standpoint of every individual player is bad, but I think when you have too many mistakes, like, several mistakes like you're not just like you're not just losing close games one score games right and it's like yo what the hell like you're getting your ass whooped and your your some of your players are making the same mistakes over and over again some of your rookies aren't even seeing the field and my thing is with this roster bro i don't even know the amount of players that i would bring to i'm not saying this as negative i literally don't know like you can't say off the top of your head that over 40% of the roster is going to carry over. 
Like I can think over, over, over I can think of a few people that I can bring to the new regime and everybody else up for grabs, whatever the hell y'all want to do. I would I would bring well Cam Curls up for contract. So I don't even know if new regime gonna do that. Like maybe they may offer him a little a little penny. So let me just I'll just add him. Cam curl. Um Ben. Um uh 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 Sam as your possible past possible backup um or starter i don't know we 10 games left whatever you know what ron said but sam for sure whether it's whether it's starter or backup um sam cosme that's five people brian robinson you know i gotta keep b rob chris <laughs> rodriguez terry mclaurin jahan dotson and y'all know i love curl turner but i'm if i'm being real with y'all i wouldn't even put him on the list like i don't i don't know bro like that's that's eight people. Um, now we're talking about. I will keep. I will keep. I probably keep Chase over over Sweat. I keep Deron. Um, one of the things that people mention about John Allen, this ain't no shot at John, bro. But like, I don't care about John saying what he said, bro. Like, he said that several times over the years. He said that before. Uh, Ron's gotten here before, like. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm I could have sworn he said that in 2019. Um, and like your your mob, your your defense got 40 put up on you, bro. Like, if you mad, do something about it. Like, I, I agree with everybody that's been saying, like, if you upset, man, do something about it, man. How your defense together? Um, but again, Deron Payne, um, Kendall can go, uh, Percy can go. I'm, I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling Quan, bro. You know what I'm saying? I, I like to keep Quan around, and see what he got. Let's um, give him seven more than seven snaps. How about that? Seven more than seven <laughs> snaps. I need to see a little bit from Emmanuel Forrest right now. He a rookie too. Top two rookies. Ricky need to stay. Ricky Stromberg. But that's it, bro. And, and, and what do we think about that? What's that? That's less than fifteen people, bro. Or around fifteen. Cause I stopped counting after ten. That's a big so, roster turnover. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm sure they're going to keep more. Obviously, they're going to keep more than than 15. But I'm saying, like, in terms of, like, who is your core moving forward to the next regime, bro? It's not a lot. I'm comfortable moving on from everybody else, bro. Like, and that's a problem. Like, you don't you don't have that big a team or that big a depth in terms of that you're confident with. You, you're talking about a team that keeps losing with the same people and they're getting embarrassed. Like, that's a problem, bro. I don't know how y'all feel about that in terms of who y'all keep, bro. But, like, that's kind of where I'm at. Um, I would keep I would keep uh 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 chase. I would consider moving on from sweat. Uh and, and we can kind of dive into that later in terms of like the actual trade decision. But yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I don't know what y'all thoughts are. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it really just boils down to whoever is the person running player personnel, like who's making the front office decisions and who they plan on hiring. I think that some guys could work. I mean. Washington doesn't have a marquee franchise guy. You feel me? So some people might, you know, think Terry McLaurin is that, John Allen is that. But, I mean, all those contracts are movable. Um, that's the that's great position that they're in. Uh, then as far as free agents, you got Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Cam Curl. They see the whole D-line, bro. Curtis, crazy. Curtis Samuel is a free agent. Uh, you got a lot of free agents. So – I mean, those were guys that you really possibly weren't even going to bring back in the first place. Uh, realistically, out of the bunch, you might keep Chase and Montez, uh, but either one of them could could be gone or both could be gone. 
it's just a situation where we don't know who they plan on hiring <laughs> to to be the GM. I'm pretty sure that person is not a GM of a team right now. Um, and they probably have had little preliminary discussions, maybe not a formal uh, request to the team to interview, but they have an idea who they would want to bring into the fold. It's just this ownership group is also big. Like it's a lot of, it's a lot of voices. So really don't even know, man. I just think, I just think that the team isn't as far as most people. Well, not even, I think a lot of people think that they're competitive. I don't think that it would take long to fix this roster. I think you could do it in one year. Honestly, I just think it boils down to the proper coaching staff. Like if you have the right staff, this thing would look if we if we remove Ron Rivera from the picture and maybe the DC or whatever, and we put in Sean McVay and Raheem Morris, don't we think the team would be better automatically? With the same how many, how many games better though? That's the question. I mean, the roster I mean, is better, better to the bad. point where you knew consistently what you were getting, and they would be a lock for the playoffs, whether that be a wild card spot or at least competing for the division. I mean, uh, if you mm-hmm. if you took those two pieces from another organization and brought them to this organization, same roster, do we feel like they would be? a more complete package overall team. Like we would know the identity and they would be in the playoffs for sure. No. Um, if, if we're talking about, if we know their identity and they'll be in the playoffs for sure, uh, the answer is no. I, this brother off like Ron, bro, Ron destroyed the offensive line. <laughs> we can't, we can't win with that. We can't win. And, we got a quarterback and, taking 40 sacks. Hell no. To, to that point, I was going to say, if you know, you mentioned the guys like Sean McVay. First off, Sean McVay has a better quarterback, better offensive line. Um, Raheem Morris, better linebackers than Washington. You know, they, they that's kind of the, when you look at the roster construction, you, you're talking about some of those positions that have been neglected during the years. Now, Ron is the only person that has neglected the quarterback position here. I mean, this, this position we haven't gotten right in 30 years or so, you know. But then defensively, you look at that linebacker core. You know, now Jamin Davis is starting to come into his own and play a little bit better, but he's still not as I keep him you want probably. to be. Yeah, I, and I would too, because I do I do think there's still something there with Jamin, and I do think he's finally starting to get it. But when you look at the linebacker core overall, I kind of think of it as you know how we treated certain positions throughout, but even before Ron. Like David Mayo almost has a permanent position on this roster every year. He's not an impact player at all. He's not a guy that you want to go out there and be trotting out, out at all at the linebacker position. Um, I mean, we, we've tried it out guys like John Boston. We've had to try I say, out bro, he got him. cut from the Saints and they brought him yes. right back. Said, welcome, and welcome they couldn't back, wait. brother. They couldn't wait to bring welcome John Boston home. back. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it was like they ignored the position. They did, they said, we don't need to go out there and upgrade this position aggressively. Even though I do, the linebacker position may be the value, sure. However, the good teams have good linebackers. <laughs> We've seen that. I mean, the San Francisco, the, the, the Seattle Seahawks, like those type of defenses, they have the Buffalo Bills, they have good linebackers. 
you can't look at Washington's linebacker core and say, you know, in any other team, no other team's going to get jealous at Washington's linebacker core. We get jealous watching other teams' linebacker cores, but that's just the type of stuff that I do think that any coach will be at a disadvantage with working with that type of personnel. I, I say it again, one more time. He he confused. He he, he led everybody astray. Talking about you don't need the linebacker position like that. That like when you when you see what real linebacker play look like, like oh my goodness, this is what we're missing. Like that's a the, having somebody at the the second level, bro, is a tone setter, bro. Like that's that is an important part of your defense. Like who cares if you run a four two six um, base defense? Guess what? You got two linebackers still on the goddamn field, bro. Like what are we talking about? You still need and you have the game plan against those guys. I don't think no, I don't think no offensive coordinator is scared of the Washington linebacker crew. Well, you have no. to kind of account for those guys. Whereas when you play against good defenses as an offensive coordinator, you have to know where Fred Warner is. You have to know where a Bobby Wagner is. You have to know where a, a Milano is for Buffalo. You don't care what Jamin Davis or David Mayo or Cody Barton is for Washington. <laughs> like you, you know. <laughs> Who's um Nick Bolton, bro? A linebacker from from Kansas City, out of nowhere, man, or or at least from a, a draft standpoint, right? He was second round. People knew him, but I'm saying like the way he exploded on the scene for Kansas City, like, and and you're telling me the linebackers on this with, with the Kansas City Chiefs ain't valuable. Like, good teams have good linebackers. Or very good teams have good linebackers. Um, it's not a weakness there. Uh. It was something I was going to mention, and I lost my train. Oh, yeah, I mean, about I mean, Rob, thank Rob you for Rivera, saving me. Rob Rivera just feels like he could just tell, tell these reports. The the challenging part for him is, well, not for him. When he talks to the media, no one challenges him, so he can say all the stupid things he wants to in the world. No one's going to call his bluff. Like, bro, you're telling us that linebackers don't matter in this league when we're watching. The Matt Milano's of the world. We're watching the the Nick Boltons or the Willie Gays or uh, <laughs> the Greenlaws, the Shazirs, uh, <laughs> the Fred Warners. Like we're watching great linebacker play going. The all, Saints, all bro. The they older, but Demario Davis, bro, adult, adult. Yeah, like you're Levante Davis still doing this thing. Like so, you're even even the Jets. They may not have like household names, but they still got a good one in C.J. Mosley, who's leading the troops, but Quincy Quincy Williams, Quentin bro, uh, Quentin's brother, like, these guys are are fast-attacking linebackers, you feel me? Whereas you rather trout out 1989 linebackers like a David Mayo or, or a Cody Barton. It's like, that's just not going to work. It's not going to get the job done. Like, you need you need your linebackers to have kind of the hybrid background of, of playing safety. So, I mean, yeah, it is it is what it is. Old school, stuck in the main mentality. You know, Del Rio used to coach Peter Bolware, the Jamie Sharpers, the, the Ray Lewis of the world. The, those days of linebacker play and how they played don't exist anymore. Like, <laughs> you need sideline to sideline guys, guys that are coming downhill, with all aggression and, and want to smoke. So what are we doing about um, selling around the deadline? Uh, like we, we briefly touched on it. Uh, I think my thoughts, bro, um, it makes all the sense in the world. I said this, I think yesterday too. It makes all, all the sense in the world to actually, you know, be sellers at the deadline if people are interested in some of your players, right? But 
Um, because of what we just talked about, uh, the roster construction, how Ron was able to um, build it the way in which he did, uh, I, I think that's my non-logical side saying, like, stay away from this. Like, don't let him touch it because it's based on his track record. You can't trust that he'll be um, making the best decision for the team. Not that he'll actually like intentionally destroy it. It's just that you don't know if he'll make the the right decision. Um, Now, granted, I'll give him some, some grace in that if there is a team out there that, that really likes a player or maybe really loves a player and they're desperate, he may actually see an offer that he can't refuse. Whoever it is, I'm not putting a name out there, but, or I guess chase or sweat because those are the two reported names. Um, but like if he sees an offer like that, that you can't refuse, then it better be a damn good offer. But, um, if you find a way to like disrespect even the work that, that you did drafting chase young number two overall, or the young, the the work that Jay Gruden and company did trading back into the first round to get Montez sweat and you give them up for a third or some shit. I don't know, but you can't like I, these guys can't get swindled. And if I had to say so, I would be saying you ain't moving nobody. Like if I had to say so, I'm not. I, he ain't moving. They ain't moving nobody, bro. I, I don't care. Uh, where are you all at? Should they start looking to sell if they lose against Philly? Um, and if they do look to sell, who should they move on from? I I mean, Ron Rivera has already told us, and I, I sent y'all a clip. He did. He did. He already told us they not firing nobody. They not trading. You no, know, he full of shit though. Like respectfully, and, and and honestly, he would be the worst person that you want to be a part of any type of trade of anyone's assets. I mean, look at what happened with the Trent Williams trade. They got a third and a fifth. Like just that year, you didn't get anything more in the future. Nothing. You just let them go for a third and a fifth. And if I'm not mistaken, the only other trade that they've done outside of that oh, Jay was, trading the house was, was getting was getting Kyle Allen from the Panthers. Outside of that, I don't know if Ron Rivera and his tenure should trade for anybody else. Like whether it be to acquire a player on, on their own or to get rid of a guy. Like I I don't remember that. Maybe someone else knows that off the top of their head, whether it be uh, Quentin Dunbar. I think he traded Quentin Dunbar, didn't he? Trade, yeah, uh, I don't remember. Yeah, they traded. I don't remember. Yeah. But outside of that, Kyle Allen and Quinn Dunbar in his first year of being here. I don't oh, know. um, you did you mention Trent already? Yeah, he mentioned. Trent. Right. Yeah, I don't know of them trading for any players or trading any of their current players to another team in his championship with Washington. I mean, the dude wouldn't even get rid of. He wouldn't even get rid of Cheeseman. Someone said William Jackson. Okay, they traded William Jackson to Pittsburgh Steelers for a 2026 draft pick. <laughs> like, I mean, a, a 2026 draft pick, bro. Like, I just don't see it. And I'm not going to buy into whatever the media is trying to feed uh, Chase Young, Montez Sweat possibly being on the move. I don't think it's happening. Uh I would be extremely shocked if one of them were were traded. I think that would shift the entire locker room uh, if one of those guys was traded, especially 
if it was a Chase Young. Oh, first off, trading hell, trading Chase Young, right? After you didn't bypass every single quarterback not named Joe, Joe Burrow for Chase Young, and now you don't even got him on your roster no more. Like, if you decided if 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 they gave him if he if, if they still gave gave him the leeway to make his own decisions this year, I'm not saying they do or 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 have it. They do or or aren't doing it. I don't know. Um, but if if he ends up trading Chase. I would, I I give him the the treatment of the the Titans GM, like that motherfucker is fired. <laughs> that motherfucker is fired. Not too long after that trade, bro. Like you get rid of our best player, he going and and uh, y'all going to Philadelphia and he cook your ass. You deserve to get every single thing that comes your way after trading AJ Brown over some dumb shit. Uh, and you allow your second overall pick to get traded. Cause he got hurt or whatever, and you clearly missed on a Justin Herbert, a Tua, uh, whoever else the hell was was a first round quarterback in that draft class, or just generally successful in that draft class. Um, that that's just that's a that's going to be a major headline, and it's probably going to be a major headline for for weeks. No, Jay, I'm not. I don't. If you decide to trade him, it is what it is. But it's still going to be a it's still going to be a problem. But yeah. That's kind of where but I am with, plus, with that one. Plus, on top of that, your main assets need new contracts. So no team really is trying to trade a high-value pick that you would get in return that you reap the benefits of and then have to turn around and pay a Montez Sweat a 20 to $22 million a year contract or Chase Young the same amount, a 20 to 22 or franchise tag. Like, no team – is, is trying to give that up, uh, a great pick and also money. It just doesn't make sense. And you don't know who's going to be running this team. We just touched on it. We have no clue who's going to be running this organization from a football standpoint. You rather you rather have them make that decision than someone that's not going to be here. And, and my thing on the whole selling thing, and I've been kind of adamant on this, it's like – and I, I – you know, y'all made a bunch of the points that I'm probably going to make. And that Ron, I don't want, I don't, me personally, I don't want him necessarily determining the impact of the future of this franchise going forward. I mean, he's already done enough. I mean, whoever comes in and takes over from Ron, they're going to decide how they have to move forward. They're going to get rid of, you know, some players. As Maul mentioned, we're going to probably have, you know, a big roster turnover. But the question, you know, who are these who's making these decisions? Because if you start to be sellers, how do you convince Ron, you know, to be a seller? You know, because he, he's in a he's in a do or die year for himself. And if he's selling, he's tanking. So what incentive does Ron have to sell and tank for the rest of the year and give the next regime, you know, all these assets. As we've kind of alluded to, Ron has made these comments, you know, these these little weird comments. Honestly, I didn't even see this comment when it happened, but I've been seeing it pop up recently about how he can, you know, even I think AJ kind of alluded to about how uh, he can kind of, you know, say, hey, you know, I built this roster and they went on to do this and you can mail me my Super Bowl ring. That's a weird ass comment because to me that kind of says that he knows what's in his future. But at the same time, if he starts to sell, he's laying down completely. 
I already think he's laid down, but if he starts selling, everybody knows he's laid down. But you do know if he's selling, it's coming from the top. But who's making a decision? That's the question. And I don't want to get fleeced on any return. Because right now, if you trade a, a Chase Young or you trade a Montez Sweat, I mean, Montez, honestly, even though Chase is having a better year, Chase is having a really good year, honestly. But Montez might have the biggest, bigger value at the moment just because – People are going to look at Chase's injury history a bit, and they're going to look and say, hey, you know, all right, yeah, he's having a good year, but how much of this can we get out of this guy? His, I don't think Chase's value right now will be as high as it will be after the season, which is why I'm kind of like, why are we in a rush to kind of sell? Now, any other year, honestly, I'd be like all in favor. Like if the circumstances were different, like if you had a GM in place, like right now, I mean, that, that's the biggest thing for me. It's not even the coach run or anything. It's the GM situation here in Washington right now. That's the murky situation. Now you can have a dead man walking at coach, but if you have a dead man walking at GM, you're kind of fucked to be honest with you for the rest of the year until you're kind of, you know, getting whoever you're going to get for that position. Because if you have a GM already in place, but you have a dead man walking, that GM, he can make all of the decisions he wants to make as far as what's happening with this roster going forward. If I want to sell, hey, the coach can see the GM making the moves and the coach can say, oh, well, I know the writing's on the wall. Kind of like with Jay Gruden. Jay Gruden in 2019, yeah. his last season. You know, Bruce Allen's the GM um, for the time being. Bruce Allen was the GM, but they were able to fire Jay midseason, no problem. You know, put Bill Callahan in place and everything. And, you know, you could say, hey, maybe they're making moves to tank. But we don't have that right now. The coach is the GM. The GM is not going to want to make moves to be detrimental to himself as the coach, <laughs> which is crazy. So that's why this whole thing is confusing to me. And I've all, but I've also resigned to the fact before the season that this could be a possibility. And also I resign myself to the fact that I'll be happy if they win this season because winning is fun. But if they don't win and they don't do what they're supposed to do, you move on after the season and you do what you do. And I think we just have to bite that bullet. I mean, I had people coming at me yesterday saying you still have to be sellers at this deadline because you just can't walk, let these guys walk for nothing. I think I'm at the point now where I'm okay if we don't get the best value for Chase or Montez in the trade, I think you're going to sound, I think the new GM or whoever the new regime is, they're going to get one of those guys back, but I'm okay with not getting the best possible or what they think you can get some kind of compensation for right now. Because at the end of the day, I'm not going to put that on the next guys to come in. I'm putting that on everything before them. Just like right now, I'm not blaming Josh Harris for anything. I'm still looking at Dan Snyder because Josh Harris is still overseeing Dan Snyder's operation. He hasn't put his handprint on this organization yet, you know, but you can you can go back to the Trent Williams trade. You could put that on Ron Rivera and them because they could have got more out of it, even though I still put more of that on Bruce Allen because Bruce Allen could have got a first round pick for him. And he let Trent ride on a bench for a whole year and ruin his value. I still think Ron probably could have handled that situation better. Maybe he can give oh, him a little sure. bit of money, keep him around. You know what I'm saying? But with this new, new try, regime, man. yeah, and right now, everything, brains. exactly. Everything's so murky right now because you don't have your GM that's going to be operating things going forward right now. So I'm not in a rush to kind of, you know, make moves that's going to drastically, you know, affect what comes after this. You know, just let this season play out. Whatever it's going to be is going to be and let the new regime come in and they make the decisions. 
Um, no, we don't know. We don't know anything about the future G's, unfortunately. Um, I could, I would tell you, fellas. Uh, y'all know what time it is. We got another show on the horizon, but I, I think that's enough of um. <laughs> That's enough for criticizing Ron, even though it's, it's, it's rightfully so. Like, he put himself in this situation. I don't think anybody should feel bad for him. Um, if you do have issues with Sam, the enemy, um, understand that they weren't even put in a position to be as successful as they could because of the guy up top um, and Ron Rivera and his decision-making. Um, fellas, we're going to be back Thursday. I did mention a guest this week. Uh, we'll spend the block. Uh, Montel couldn't make it today. Had a had a little illness going on. He was going to jump on last second, but uh, we'll have a guest on Thursday. Uh, I'll confirm when we put the, the the information at. Yeah, you know, G, you know, he set his back. Ron did. Uh, Ron did. But <laughs> that's gonna wrap it up for us. Uh, we'll be back Thursday, man, to preview the the goddamn Philadelphia game. As this season goes along, AJ, Dre, man, y'all enjoy this NBA uh, debut, 2023 debut, man. Lakers getting their ass bust right now, but uh, my money on the line, I'm hoping they get a, a pretty little run in that second quarter, get them back in the game. Um, and then I got money on that like, that, that, that that 10 o'clock game, oh. too, but I ain't going to tell nobody. I don't want to put nobody on the wrong side, but I got a little money on that one, too, so. Good luck if y'all bet Thank tonight. Thank God for the NBA, brother. I am ready for it. Look and at you. As soon as I'm log off here. Dre is so – no, for Dre, I, I just got to say this one thing, bro. <laughs> Dre is so funny, bro, because I'll never forget last – was it last season or two seasons ago? He's like, man, hey, bro, I'm back, baby. I can't wait. I'm locked into this wizard. <laughs> I'm like, this is goddamn wizard season, bro. I don't even think – it was a month into the season. I don't even think it was a month to the season. It wasn't a week. Like, man, I'm, I'm done with these motherfuckers. Boy, I'm done, the bro. Curse, man. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Um, I'm back, brother. Hey, I, look, I know why we watching it this year. So I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be there with you, bro. I'm gonna try to be as much as I can. But uh, we'll be back Thursday. Appreciate everybody watching, listening, like, subscribe, all that good stuff. We definitely appreciate it. See y'all Thursday, man. Peace. Damn, set, huh? Watch him throw the ball. We gonna pick it off. You gonna let him hit the hole or you gonna cut it off? You gonna play through fourth and long or you gonna punt it off? Your defenders have you hit us, put your pads in. Don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in. Keep the helmet on, keep the cleats tight. You the type to want to win by any means, right? You should look alive. This is Trapper Dive.